Juice for Cures sub- subscribers, supporters, and listeners. Welcome back to the Cookies for Cures podcast. Today, for our second episode of the Cookies for Cures podcast, we will be interviewing a survivor. This is Mitch Bompy, everyone. Hi there. Mitch, would you like to tell us some things about yourself? Sure. I um, live in New York City with my family, my wife and my 17-year-old son. We live down in Tribeca, and we've been here for a long time. And I grew up just outside of New York, and I am a lawyer. So, um, you are here today because, well, one, you're Mm -hmm. a great person to have here. We're so lucky to have you. Thank you very much. And two, you are a cancer survivor. Correct. So, before we start, would you like to give us some background on the type of cancer you had or just a little bit of your experience? Surely. So, it was the year 2002 and I was, or 2003. I'm sorry, it was 2003, and I had noticed a small lump under my chin, and I went to the doctor, and they weren't sure what it was, and then they ended up doing a biopsy where they cut it out and look at it under a microscope, and they took out one of my lymph nodes, and they noticed when they did a biopsy of the lymph node that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in that lymph node, and because I had lived downtown... Shortly after 9-11, I presume that I got some sort of disease that Mm -hmm. then activated my my immune system, the lymph nodes, and that caused it to act up in a way that caused the cancer. Mm -hmm. So I think we're just about ready to Mm -hmm. start with our first question. So the first question I have for you is, when you were diagnosed with cancer, when you were told like that was going to happen, what were you feeling? When I first got the diagnosis from the doctor's office, I remember sitting there, it was myself and my wife, and the doctor was very nonchalant or clinical about it, and just came out and said, you have cancer. And I was pretty much in shock. Mm -hmm. You would expect the the diagnosis or the conversation to be a little bit um, more progressive. Yeah. Uh, but the doctor just started off with whatever news he had at the time. So I was pretty much in shock. My wife um, was really the one that activated right away mm-hmm. and was able to get me appointments within the next two weeks. I was basically running around uh, from doctor to doctor, not really understanding what I had and trying to figure out at what hospital I wanted to be seen as a patient. So, do you think if you could have gone back in time, would you have done something different to help yourself in that, like, beginning two weeks or months? No, I think we did everything. So, what what we did, rather than just go with the doctor that gave us a diagnosis and go to that hospital that he was affiliated with, we ended up talking to three or four different specialists and getting a lot of tests done in those first two weeks, and then choosing the specialist that we thought would be a good fit for who I was and what I expected to to think. I I think too often people just go are in so much shock that they go straight to the first doctor they see, Mm -hmm. and I am actually very glad that I didn't. I found a specialist at New York Presbyterian who was able to use actually some 
um, kind of very early stage di uh, procedures that helped me um, as opposed to just doing very kind of tried and true therapy for, for cancer. So obviously you're still here with us today. I am. But when it was the time when you were just like around the first time you were mm -hmm. told, did you think you were going to get through it and did you think you're going to eventually be cancer free and be a survivor? No, I don't think I thought that was a definite possibility. I was diagnosed at a point where I was stage four, so mm. that means that's pretty far along. Yeah. Um, so it had progressed pretty rapidly, uh, and all of the tests I was getting was showing that it was pretty much all over in terms of my entire lymph system um, and my immune system. So I was not really sure. Yeah. Um, what was going to happen at that point. And that was kind of scary. So, as you progressed, obviously you told me your wife mm -hmm. was, when you were told, she automatically wanted to help you very much. Yes. So, and your son, he was also very young. But he was. How was your family really, how did they feel about this? How did they help you? Did you ever maybe feel bad later on because you had to because of the certain things you had to do to in order to try to um, get make the cancer go away, did you have to take medicines mm -hmm. or pills that would have to make you act a certain way? Sure. Well, first of all, I mean, I could not have gotten through any of this without um, my wife because I was pretty much in shock. She was the one that was reaching out and making all the appointments with the doctors and making sure that everything was going well. So the first, like I said, the first three, two or three weeks, all we did was go to different doctors, and they all had to do the same test over and over and over again, which was a little frustrating. Yeah. But then once I settled on a doctor at a specific hospital and started taking the medication, I think I probably look back on it now, and what you know, it affected your your mental attitude mm -hmm. the the medication does so I was probably a little bit um, mean to my family more so than I imagined the doctors always warn you that you're gonna you're gonna come across as somebody with a, a short temper and get mad or easy uh, but you don't really think that that's gonna happen to you and and the way that the drugs work you don't really notice it other people tell you that that's the way you're acting mm -hmm. so I think I didn't see myself that way, but others did, and, and I probably was acting that way. Well, obviously, your son was very young, yes. but your wife, well, she was very interested in this, and she was willing to help you a lot. So did did you, she was at your doctor's appointments, so did you, like, let her know before you started taking the medication that if you ever... Or same with your son, even though he was very young. If you ever acted up at them or had a short temper, you really just didn't mean it that much. Or yeah, she she knew well. that it was a possibility that that was going to be a side effect, mm -hmm. um, and she was the one that would tell me um, how I was acting. Because mm -hmm. again, I think you as you go through it, you don't realize that you're doing it. So it, it just changes your your mind a little bit. You told me that you. At the very beginning, you went to a lot of different doctors. Mm -hmm. And as you went through time, was there ever a period of time where you had to stay at the doctor for a long time, where you had a surgery or, like, a special... I had a bunch of 
tests that lasted a couple hours, mm -hmm. and I had some small surgeries, but nothing that required me to stay overnight at a hospital. Mm -hmm. I would spend hours at the at the lab or at the doctor's office, but no, nothing that required me to stay overnight. Um, so during this process, you obviously had a lot to do. You had to go to the doctor's office. You had to do all of these things and take these medications. Did you still, knowing that you could have not survived because of it, or just in general, even though you were busy, did you still try to do fun things and live your life and make sure you weren't just going to the doctor, coming home, going to the doctor, coming home? Absolutely. And one of the stories I like to tell is about a month after I was diagnosed, so right about when we settled on a doctor and I started the, the medication treatment, I had a ski trip planned with my friends from college who I had been going skiing with for then almost 10 years, every year. And mm -hmm. there was no way I was going to miss that. Yeah. So I took my medication with me and went to Utah, and my friends were, were very supportive. I, because of the medication, I wasn't able to ski in the mornings, but I was able to ski in the afternoons. So every day, one of them would stay with me in the in the morning and go get breakfast and walk around uh, until we were both ready to go skiing in the afternoon. So, like, this isn't much of a question, mm -hmm. but this is something that's more of a statement or a topic that you could talk about. Sure. Um, obviously, if I were you, I know I would be so thankful for my friends who would, like, cope with me or my wife or husband or... Mm -hmm just like all the supportive people around me because it's difficult when you have a disease like this and there's limits and there's only so many things you can do and there's only mm -hmm. so much you so much free time and so much other stuff to do absolutely i mean i'm very thankful for everything everybody did for me supporting me transporting me to all these different appointments and um, tests that I had to have and just being really um, open to what I needed at the time so that they put their needs aside and were able to help me. So now that you're here and you know a lot about what it's like to go through the experience, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone who is going through the same process today? I think the most important thing I did was the, what, I, what I said my wife and I did the first three weeks. Make sure you find a doctor that's going to attack the cancer the way you want it attacked. Mm -hmm. And make sure you find a doctor that has the same philosophy about medicine and care that you do. Because a lot of times, some of these great cancer hospitals will have so many patients that you're just a number. And you need to find somebody who's going to treat you as a person and not just a number or a patient number. Um, and also, you told me about that skiing trip. Mm -hmm. What advice you'd also give to someone would be don't, just because of cancer, don't stop living your life or don't stop doing things you love to do. Absolutely. I think that's super important to the extent that you physically can, depending on what type of drugs or medication you're taking and what physical state you're in, I think you should always take advantage of that. I had a friend from college, one of my friends who was on that ski trip, um, 
10 years later, he himself got cancer. And he was in a much more aggressive medication than I was on. And I went to go visit him in Texas where he lived. Even though he was very weak from the medication, we made a point, the two of us, of going out for barbecue lunch because that's something I knew he would love. And I, um, I am so grateful and thankful that we did. And I know it was hard for him, but I know he enjoyed that. And he didn't survive his cancer, but I know that that was one of the, the kind of highlights of his last couple months. As you got towards the end of, like, when you were told your medicine was working, and were you, like, really excited? And were those moments when you were told your medicine was doing something, or your life, like, you would have much more life ahead of you, are those the moments where you're like celebrating and you're ecstatic. Absolutely. Once you hear the news that the, the cancer is shrinking or whatever type of um, cancer you have and what it, what it might do in that stage, it makes you really thankful that you found the right doctor and that you found the right type of care and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. and, and then once years later when you get the diagnosis that you've been cancer-free for five years, and you're just as likely to get cancer as the next person, um, that it just makes you feel, you know, mm -hmm. so great. So obviously, I asked you at the very beginning, what did you feel when you were diagnosed with cancer? Now I'm going to ask you, what did you feel when you were announced cancer-free? I felt kind of a joy that almost makes you cry um, because you realize that you, you know, were spared because there's so many people in this world that die of cancer, either because they have a type of cancer that can't be cured now, or because they just don't get the right medical care because of where they are or what their situation is. I was really thankful. So, um, my last question is, what advice would you give to your past self as you were going through this process and this kind of odd period of time? The one thing I would say to myself, having now experienced it looking back, is understand, like we were talking about before, how the medicine may can yeah. make you very grumpy. Mm -hmm. Understand that that's a possibility. Yeah. And try and do what you can to avoid that or, or, or compensate for that. Because mm -hmm. I feel that... I do, like I said, you don't realize it's happening to yourself. Yes. So you need to, you, by the time you hear about it from other people, it's probably too late that you're already in that grumpy state. Mm -hmm. So to know that up front and be kinder to people as you were going through it. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, it was so great to have you today. And for everyone listening, um, and for those of you who are listening who either have family members going through this process or are going through this process yourself, make sure to listen to these words from another fellow cancer survivor who went through this process and really know that it is possible to make it through. And if you think about it and you really focus on doing the right thing for yourself and for others, you can make it through, and our survivor here, Mitch, obviously has an excellent life today.
he and his wife and his 17-year-old son have a great life here in New York City. So thank you so much, Mitch, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be on your podcast, and I'm really grateful for all you guys do selling your cookies and your and your T-shirts. Thank you so much. All right. See you next podcast episode.